This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Working class on DeerCast. It is episode 44. My guy Clint Casper is uh, joining me via Zoom over the worldwide interwebs. What's up, Clint? What's up, my man? Happy to be here. The worldwide interweb. That's a scary place. For as close as we are, we tried to podcast. Was that earlier this week? Uh, last week. We're busy right now. It did. It's a, it's a, it's a mess with you and I schedules every time we try to do something. It's just a mess. Yeah. And it's like, we're buddies, so it should be easier. But anyway, we're here now Um, in real life. As this launches, you're somewhere hunting on a mountain. Um, Uh, Probably Utah or it's either going to be Utah or Colorado, depending on what part of next week. But as we're recording you're getting ready to leave. So you have a lot of things you could be doing rather than sitting here talking to me. Um, but you got to get ready, which I'm sure you're, you're pretty well ready. But um, so what I thought it'd be kind of fun to do because here on DeerCast, it's very deer focused, obviously. Um, and, you know, you host our series, the CC Hunt Files, which as of lately has been very mule deer and elk and kind of motivating, uh, that Western experience, um, which is great. So if you guys haven't listened to CC hunt files, Clint's doing a great job. Um, he's doing a much better job than I thought he would do. Um, just because it's, uh, and that's not that I doubted you, but podcasting is a more daunting task than you realize with just staying consistent. Oh yeah. It's a, it's a very different world when for the last seven, eight years, I mean, I've been, guest 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 and then you turn into oh i'm the host now it's it's just it's a different you gotta like flip the it's it's different yeah. it's just a different for me it was it was tough to um 
I guess, go from being the guy that's like getting the questions asked, like you people's wanting to know stuff like, hey, Clint, you talk to now I'm pulling stuff out of somebody else. I'm asking the questions, not answering. So it's like, it sounds easy. Like, oh, it's not that big of a deal. You just flip, right. just reverse it. But right. For me, it's it's not as easy as everybody thinks. You don't just talk into a mic. I mean, it, it's there's more to it than that, obviously. There is. It's hard to like talk, think of your next question, but also carry the conversation and all that. Are yeah. you liking it? Are you like hosting a podcast? Oh, I love it. I mean, I, you know, I haven't had one episode yet where I was like, oh, man, whew, I'm glad that one's over. I mean, I've enjoyed every single one. I'm lucky. I've had some fantastic guests. I mean, it's everyone's been fun, you mm -hmm. know usually I look down and I'm like, Oh shit, I'm at an hour already. Cause I try to be right yeah. around that like hour. Maybe it's a little bit more, you know, I don't try to go much past that. And I find myself a lot of times like in my head, I'm like, man, I gotta, I gotta wrap this up. Like, gosh, I wish yeah. I had another minutes. So, you know, honestly, no, I've, I've liked it more than I even thought I would not that I thought I wouldn't like to be a host, but like I said, it's a big transition going from like the world I was in when it comes to podcasts to now being a host. It's, it's just a, it's not as easy as everybody thinks. Yeah, for sure. And to, you know, that's something we try to do here for working class on DeerCast. you know, the regular WCB series, they're not always videoed. Um, and right. we will go three, four, we've gone off five, like episode 500 was five hours, but yep. for DeerCast, the main focus when, Mark and I first started talking about doing this series. I wanted to make them 30 minutes flat for yep. guys to watch them on DeerCast on their lunch break. That's um, tough. And we did that with Chandler's episode last week. Um, he we got we were right in there and it was it was cram packed of just good info. And that's it's challenging to do that, but it also leads into more content. So I don't know. It's like the double-edged sword for the DeerCast right. series. I like to keep them that 30, 45 minutes. But yeah. really, if the content's flowing, let it flow. Um, yeah. But that's something I don't want on DeerCast as a three-hour video podcast. Yeah. And no one's ever going to watch the full video because our guys are going to – it's going to take them three weeks on, of lunch breaks to get through it. So, um Yeah. Yeah. But that being said, we should probably get moving with some uh, hunting content here. That was just my icebreaker of this episode. Tell you what, you're in control of this one, buddy. I'm just, I'm just here for a good time. Okay, lead so the way. Once again, we're trying to include our Patreon supporters even more. Um, and in future episodes, like I said last week's episode, we're going to try and get more DeerCast uh, specific questions brought in too. But I thought, you know, coming into season, um, our Patreon has been doing really well. So thank you guys so much. And then thank you for also sharing it with more people. So then we get more people to join. That's a great way to support and fund uh, this like whole WCB podcast umbrella that we're creating here uh, with us and CC Hunt Files and some others and, you know, working class on DeerCast and something else we have coming. Um, but so I, I reached out to Patreon. I said, hey, going to be chatting with Clint. Let's talk whitetail stuff. And people threw in some questions. They're uh, focused. And I only do this to the top tier on Patreon. We'll see these. So it's not everybody that's on Patreon. Um, so I haven't read these and you haven't read them. So the listeners know, and I like doing it that way um, yep. because you can tell we're not fabricating answers to make us right. sound like the man. If we don't know, we'll tell you, we don't know. Um, or if it doesn't apply, it's just, it doesn't apply. So, um, if you're cool, I'm going to dive into these. 
let's dive into them, man. Okay. Uh, first one, I'm just going from the top to the bottom. Um, there's a handful here. There's not a, a crazy amount. Uh, Chris J, a big time supporter, great guy. Um, any new pieces of equipment that you're excited to get in the field this year? Actually, which I'll be honest, I can't even believe that I'm doing this because it's just not been my thing, but I tried it here recently and actually really liked it. I'm going to be running trophy line saddle. Ooh, it's nothing the dark side, the dark side. Well, so I just spent last weekend with Emily Shad and uh, she kind of showed me the ropes and she's working literally. and running. Yep. With, with, yeah, literally, literally the ropes with uh trophy line, the fanatic. And um, I'll tell you what, I mean, there's a time and a place where I can use it. Um, I'll be honest. Do I think I'll like it more than my, like, like a Novix hang and hunt setup or, or any type of stand stick? I'll be honest. I'm a stand guy. I just, I just like, I am too. but I'm going to tell you right now. Um, I've already thought of some spots in the last couple of years where I made a stand work and it, it was all right, but a mm -hmm. saddle in that scenario would have been a way better choice. So for me, that's like a, this is a big breakthrough. Cause I'm just not a couple years ago. I had literally zero, absolutely zero interest in this. Well, and you and, and I had this conversation a lot. You're just like, man, I, just, I can't do it. I, it's not yeah. for me. And I get it. Cause I was that guy too. Yeah. Um, but no matter what brand you use, there's a bunch of great brands for saddle. Oh, absolutely. Yep, absolutely. It's another tool you can utilize for whitetails. It's like you, you're better off being familiar and having that in the bag in case you need it yeah. than not. I, I never like to be pigeonholed in to where I've only got one tool in my box or I got one or I'm a one trick pony. And I've honestly, I mean, we're not going to dive into the Western stuff, but I've thought about realistically, like that fanatic is so light. Um, I've thought about packing that in and doing like midday elk wallow sits during like the elk rut. And, and I mean, like I've kind of thought in my head, like, okay, where else could I use this mm -hmm. way lighter than standing sticks. And I mean, wallow sitting can be great early season for, you know, hunting on, on an early season bull tag. So I'm already kind of thinking like not just whitetails, but like maybe a little bit of the Western side too. Like where could I utilize this? Cause it is such a lightweight setup and I could throw it in my Kafaru pack and never even know it's back there. So, yeah, yeah, man, I'm excited. I really am. I, I it's, it's going to be cool. Looking forward to, if nothing else, you know, shooting some does out of it, um, and, and just kind of getting familiar with it. It's a whole new deal, whole new world. But I'm pumped about sure. it. Cool, man. Good answer. Good answer. Um, yeah, that'll be interesting to see what you think. Um, so this is a uh, Vermont Fishing Adventures asked Austin this same question last week about. Uh, he goes, I know. Uh, we talked about it before. Um, and, and none of us had experience, but Lee came in, he kind of, I got up out of my chair and Lee was in here and he sat down in the, in the captain's chair and gave his experience on hunting big woods, but, uh, tips on hunting pressure, big woods, no ag fields for miles. So, um, that's an interesting one. And I, Austin and I both bowed out on that one. I don't have any experience with like, and I think big woods, I think literally no ag fields for miles, not right. A mile over there there's an ag field you know right right so i don't know um, if you have any experience with that or not yeah kentucky and pennsylvania i've hunted some big woods um just huge big blocks of what would be like blm land everywhere else it was all public 
Um, I've used some kayaks and different things to like use water to my advantage to get into spots. And I mean, so my whole philosophy was funnels, 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 funnels. I mean, I was, you know, topo maps, um, in a big woods. I mean, for me, my theory was, you know, early season, it was all like Oak ridges cause that was the only food source available. Um, so I was looking for like, if there was apple trees or, or oaks dropping, acorns dropping, um, that that is the food source there and then in the rut basically every part of me was like all right you know who knows where deer are going to be but there's certain funnels you know like your saddles on ridge lines um you know big bends and, and creek bottoms and rivers and things like that like i was just looking for any type of bottleneck or funnel or pinch point that i could use and i mean honestly i've gotten into bucks you know in both states i've killed in both states um during the rut Early season, I honestly should have killed a great buck in Kentucky, a limit 35 yards that I knew it was hit or miss. I was either going to pinwheel this buck or hit this limb midway between him and I. The limb won that round, but should have killed on an acorn flat. Um, there was not an ag field for, if I remember correctly, uh, four and a half miles in any direction. So, I mean, it was a, a real, real big woods. Um, you know, I, I've had luck with that, just keeping it simple. I think a lot of guys get like, overwhelmed because it's this giant piece of land and yeah. instead of like breaking it down and like okay what do i have to work with everyone looks at like what do i not have i don't have egg i don't know where betting is i don't know and it's like you start losing your mind because you're looking at all like the negatives basically i'm like all right mm -hmm. you know where's some oak ridges where's some funnels i just started breaking it down and i took like a big section and put it like cut it into four and i'm like okay this northwest corner what's it got is there anything up here that is going to funnel deer or make deer come to feed yes no if the answer was no i cut it out now i'm down to three pieces and i just tried to cut those big sections into little sections and then focus on which section has basically the most pros and that's just where i focused my time i mean and i i can't say i'm a giant big woods guy but that's worked for me i've gotten into bucks every time i killed bucks doing it so mm -hmm. that's kind of philosophy with it um by no means that do i have 10 or 12 big woods bucks under my belt but i've got a couple and i just tried to break it down as best i could and take away what wasn't going to work for me and then pretty much put all my time and effort into spots that i thought had what i needed which was either funneling deer mm. or bringing deer to feed and that's kind of what i keyed in on so that's that's about all i got for that one really but well, even yeah. big, big woods are not clint everything you just said about like looking at a property you know say you pull up your deer cast maps and you're looking at a yeah. piece you're, you're you already hunt and you're trying to yeah. figure out or a piece you want to hunt that's yeah. good regardless of what you're hunting right. even if you're hunting out west or wherever it's like oh, you yeah. take that grid it down because yep. i look at the maps of some of the properties i hunt daily daily yep. and even more so since the new deer cast update i'm in there just playing just because it's yep. fun and there's certain things that i look at it so much that you would think i would see some of the obvious stuff and you do overlook. but you kind of come numb become numb to it a little bit and you yep. kind of overlook a spot for whatever reason it may be there might not even be a reason you just didn't look yep. at it and then i'll show you the map and then you'll see something you're like, dude, why have you, why are you not over here doing this? I'm like, oh man, I didn't even, I don't know why I didn't see that. Like, that's yeah. a pretty common thing too. You know, it's, it's, uh, yeah. when you take a spot so big, like what right. you're saying, 
and it's trees and it's hard to see the, really the terrain. If you don't know what you're looking at on a map and you don't know what the deer really like to use in the timber, but I mean, I think that's great advice. Start with what you have. And that is that terrain. Is it acorns? Is it whatever it is, you know, and break it down. So I think that's, that's killer advice, uh, better advice than I would have gave on that one. Um, okay. This kind of may relate to that. Uh, Lakota uh, Pitzer says, uh, what are some tips for finding a certain buck after he moves from summer to fall area? Also, what are some advice on hunting? Um, I'm going to, I'm going to, he calls out a certain hunting area. I'm not going to say that one just cause I don't know if it's like, I don't know. I don't know the details on this. All right, let's just go with this. What are some tips for finding a certain buck after he moves from summer to fall area? I'm trying to be a homie here and not put any areas on blast. Yeah, I got you. I don't know if I don't know. It it might not be an area you're in or not, but he's asking you specifically, so I don't want to put anything that you might have or he might have um, out there too much. <laughs> so, so summer to fall, how to find a buck again? Yeah. So um, for me, in the summertime, when I've got bucks and and they're bachelored up, they're in velvet, they're doing their thing. Um, you know, they might be over here in this bean field. This this bean field was was uh, it was planted. You know, let's say mid May. It's green. A couple of weeks later, this field over here, they're in it because it was planted later. Um, it's not changed at you know. So like, they're moving around. They're shifting what they're doing. But from farm to farm, what I've noticed over the years is, from day one when I find a buck and I start getting trail cam photos of him, especially daylight, I'm paying attention to one thing and one thing only wind direction that buck is going to use that farm with certain winds and when it's not those certain winds you'll notice and i've seen this year after year after year after year after year because i played the specific buck game every single year and it's that's taught me more about big deer than anything because i'm following one buck and he's teaching me everything he's doing mm -hmm. they are using a certain wind to their advantage and when that wind is not present chances are they're not there either so the second a buck leaves a food source so he changes from summer to fall, which between summer, late summer and early fall, you got velvet coming off and you've got a magnitude of crops. You got beans are going brown. You got apples dropping, acorns dropping. You got, I mean, there's a million things out there to eat. So finding the hottest or the freshest food source is super important. Yes. But even more important than that is if I know for a fact, okay, this buck loves a South wind on this farm. When it's a South wind, He's in daylight. I get photos of him. He's very active. When it's not a south wind, I don't have a lot of intel on this buck. I'm immediately going to what hot food source right now is he able to use a south wind to his advantage because he likes that. And I'm starting right. And nine times out of 10, I will get back on a buck. The buck I killed last year, the giant eight. He, it, was, it was always two certain winds that that deer was on. And in late season, when he showed back up, it was on this certain wind, and the next day was going to be another wind just like that out of the west. I needed south and west winds. It was going to be out of the west, and I'm like, this deer, if he's ever going to be in daylight, it's going to be now on this farm, on that west wind. I know where he likes to bed on this farm with the west wind. The next day, I killed him, and that deer was consistently those two winds. I'd have trail cam photos. I would see him. Uh, if I had daylight photos, I would say 80% of the time it was those two wins. 
that farm worked great for him on those winds because where he liked to bed and where he liked to feed and move around, that was the wind that was to his advantage all the time. Mm -hmm. So when I buck that disappears, I'm going back to, okay, what wind is he like? Now, what food source correlates with that wind? I'm starting there. And nine times out of 10, I will find that buck somewhere on a food source or in an area where that wind that he liked all summer. And, and I know he likes on that farm. It's correlating back to that wind. That's I live and die by that, man. Every yeah. 10 years, every buck I've killed specific buck. It has been wind related, wind related, wind related as far as like he likes this wind. This is the wind. I know it's the wind. That, that just seems, I don't know, man, for me, that's just been like the golden nugget for me is to really mm -hmm. pay attention in on that. And when bucks have disappeared, I go back to that. And like I said, I would say 90% of the time, if once I find him again, it's because of that wind. I correlated that wind with a bedding area or a feeding area. And I'm like, ah, it's good for this wind. Let's start here, throw some cameras up, glass some fields, whatever. And mm -hmm. boom, there it is. And then from there, I can make a plan now for, okay, here's my new game plan. Let's, you know, now it's step two, go into how am I going to kill him? Where am I going to hunt? You know, but finding him obviously is the first step after he's, you know, relocated on you. For sure. That's great advice. I, uh, I'm trying to, to get more honed in with stuff like that too. You know, I know we talked, there's that big buck I hunted last year and was just trying to figure him out. And I was, you know, taking notes, uh, for, from trail cam pictures I was getting and trying to match yep. up the winds and, and that's, what's. Uh, great you can do that with deer cash you can go back and check uh wind direction or you know your markings on your trail cams and kind of take your own notes how, however you uh, organize your notes for hunting um, i'm right. bad i'm bad at it because i'm kind of messy but um there was one of the deer that was making me pull my hair out because he was everywhere all the time and everything he did and i know that's like a personality trait probably with this one specific oh, yeah. buck, where it's like you know other deer like the buck the good buck i killed a few years ago that i called creepy it's like I got him doing something on a win, took note of it. I'm like, and same thing, I got to be there tomorrow, you know? And so I went in, that's where I killed him. So, uh, but this other deer maybe pull my hair out because I guess not all of them like are kind of uh, act normal to what you think they would do, like what you're saying. But, uh, but that's also part of the fun of it too. You get one that throws you through a loop or, but also too, there might have been something that I was missing. You know what I mean? Um, I, maybe I was missing a food source or, or who knows, who knows what it was. Uh, but it's, it's tough in November because they're going to do what a hot dough does. So like yeah. for me, that wind game is so important early and late. And that's when I, that's when I've killed 85, 90% of my deer is I kill them early and late because that wind is such a factor. And I can use that to my advantage in the rut. It's tough because if a they're, hot they're doing whatever, I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's focused on, okay she's going that way i'm going that way it's 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 a lot harder in november to like use the wind to predict what yeah. a specific buck's gonna do everything's kind of out the window there a little bit um, right like a, I, your I buck to... was yeah. everywhere in the all the i mean that, on all your cameras every day i feel like you're like oh here he is here he is again i'm like jesus that buck is everywhere yeah and that's what made him hard to hunt but i talked to yeah. mark about it too because i was seeing him on from a distance in a certain green field um, and then it changed I think right. it beans. It was beans. And then that deer left and he's like, Oh, he's, he's going to be in your food plot, green to green transfer. Yeah. Those beans yep. yellowed. He's like, he's going to be in whatever fall pot you yep. got right now. So anyway, didn't work out, but it's just interesting stuff. Uh, all right. I always 
mess up your first name, man. And I apologize. Malachi Dalton. I I'm, I'm so bad at that. It's embarrassing. And I'm bad at remembering people's names. I, I get very embarrassed uh, about that. It hurts. I feel so guilty when I do, it. I need to like go to a class or something. He wants, uh, okay. What tree stand height tree stand height. What's too low for those spots. You can't get hit in a tree, get high in a tree tree stand height. What, what's too low for spots that you can't get high in a tree. I think is what he's asking. I go where cover is. I killed my biggest buck extra. He's 191 for the score guys out there at nine foot. That's I mean, I, I, I mean, I could have, I mean, he was underneath me at one point coming through not, not by design. I didn't want him to be that close, but I mean, I literally could have sat on my platform and reached down with an arrow and, and, and touched him. I mean, have this back literally nine feet. And then, so, I mean, I've killed deer at 25 and 30 feet. I mean, it just, it's situational for me, but I go where cover is. If there's cover at 14 feet, I'm at 14 feet. Uh, if there's cover at 11 feet, I'm at 11. I just, I go where yeah. cover is because realistically deer in today's world, I feel like, especially here in Ohio, it's real bad. My deer walk around and they look up. So if you get silhouetted, um, it's a, especially the old mature does immediate. If they pick you out, they will stand there 20 minutes. I mean, absolutely. You've got to change their mind three times before they let you go. I just don't like playing that game. So, no, no. you know, it's just, for What's me, your average what, across the board. If you had to just throw an average, you know, my tree stand hide average is this. Yep. Uh, all the stands you've ever hung. Where's your average? I'd say eighteen to twenty is probably pretty pretty average. I mean, yeah. I, you I'd know, I think eighteen to twenty two feet probably. Yeah, pretty standard somewhere around that twenty foot mark, give or take a few feet here and there. But yeah, I mean, for sure, I'd agree. Good question. Um, yeah. Our buddy Judd McCollum writes, uh, when approaching Judd, Judd, when approaching new ground, what factors would uh, make you want to be hands off like Ross and just hunt the best conditions? And what would make you want to dig in with improvements and risk more intrusion? So what factors would make you want to kind of be wait for the best conditions and not get too aggressive? And then uh, what conditions make you want to, what factors make you want to, take risks and be a little more intrusive than normal for me it would depend on how much time i've got if i can get in if i've got this property and i've got all summer to look at stuff and really take intel and figure things out um man i'm an early guy i love to hunt early i kill a lot of bucks early so i would absolutely be preparing to try to hopefully kill a buck at first week or two if i get a property and it's season or in season um, I definitely like to work outside in. So I would rather put some cameras up and scout and really try to see what's going on um, before I would go dive in. If it's close to the rut, honestly, I'm probably going to go to my maps and look at topography and be like, all right, this looks like probably potential bedding. Here's a good funnel. I'm just going to dive into this when conditions are good and just see what happens, you yes, know, but uh, you know, I, so that's kind of situational for me. I, I, it would depend on when did I get the property? Like when, you know, am I able to look at it before season? Is are we in season? You know, um, if we're in season and I'd go out there and let's say I throw a camera up and in the first night or two, here's this giant while he's there, 
Oh, absolutely. Like if he's there, I'm going into, I'm figuring out how to go hunting. Cause my philosophy is if a buck is on your property right now, you better be on your property right now to kill him because tomorrow he might not be two mm-hmm. days later. Not be So I'm very much aggressive in the sense of like, if a buck is here, I'm not waiting on the rut. I'm not waiting till next month. I'm going to figure out how do I hunt this deer? What wind do I need? If that wins in two days, you bet your sweet rear end in two days, I'm going to be there. That's just me. But you know, I don't, I don't like to wait or hope that deer stick around. I just, for me, I've gotten burned on that too many times where I waited. Oh, I'll wait till next week. The rut should be in hot. He'll be in there. And then I'd never see the buck for a month. And it's like, well, why, why did I do that? I should have went in there right then and started. You know, he's in there. You know, he's in there. If if conditions let you get in there, get in there. Yeah. Yep. And I've been burned by that too many times. Um, So I don't, yeah, I'm, I'd rather go in and start hunting a buck than sit back on my heels. You know, I'm always looking for an opportunity, not looking for a reason to not go in. Yeah. And that's also too, I talked, uh, I don't know what episode it was on my, uh, I mean, I've I've done so many episodes the last couple of weeks. Um, I said something on a podcast that I always keep a stand ready and loaded at all times, whether it's in my truck, in my garage, somewhere where I can grab it and go for it. Like, well, I got this picture of this buck. I think I know he's doing this, but I don't have anything hung already. Time to go grab it. And that's where yep. the saddle can come in handy or your hang on or whatever, whatever oh, yeah. brand you use. You, everyone knows what we use. Um, yeah. It doesn't hurt to have one of those loaded in the chamber ready to rock. Yeah. So. But yeah. I've always, I live and die by that rule of three. I've always said, if I see a buck do something two times in a row or similar to, you know, he's done the, kind of the same thing that third day, that third time I will be there. I mean that I live and die by the rule of three. So that's, mm-hmm. that comes in handy when you're, Oh man, this buck's been on this camera two nights in a row, or I've watched him do this two nights in a row. I got to be over there. Like I want a saddle or a stand and stick set up. Like you said, ready to rock, ready to go. Yeah. Ready to go. Um, there's some other questions in here, but I really want to stick to whitetail related stuff. Um, guys, some of your questions, you know, are probably more CC hunt files related. Uh, so throw those at Clint for an upcoming, uh, CC hunt files podcast. Um, but we appreciate everybody asking the questions. Um, and I like that we can kind of go in detail on these a little bit. Um, are you looking forward? Like, I know you were, you're always looking forward to your Western trips, but how do you get excited about whitetails? Like looking through your Western trips coming up, are you still thinking whitetails or do you kind of put whitetails the back of your brain until you're home hunting whitetails? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, just because the, the Western hunts are so it's such a mental game. I, I just, I keep it like if I'm in Utah hunting mule deer, that's all I'm focused on. I'm, I'm focused on Utah mule deer. I go to Colorado next. I'm in Colorado mentally. I come back home and, and then it's going to be, you know, I got a week break. I want to get buttoned up a few whitetail related things. Um, make sure Easton's ready to rock. I'm super pumped for him. He's six. He's got his crossbow. He's ready to go. He's going to hopefully kill his first deer. So, I mean, I'm super stoked about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's going to be my main turn, but I've got three Western tags before I ever get to whitetail season. And honestly, I don't, I've got food plots in and I've got prep work and all that stuff done. Like I don't slack on that, but mentally, like when those hunts start, I'm, I'm in the moment in those hunts and I kind of tick them off and then yeah. you know when i get back home it's whitetail time but for me i i try to keep it i don't like to get clouded 
um, mm-hmm. with just everything going on, you know, I mean, so I would say I put it on the back burner, but I'm doing it in order of what's coming up and okay, right now I'm here, I'm on the mountain, I'm mule deer hunting, then I'm hunting Focus bulls. on that, yeah. Yep, for me, that just helps keep me really like in the game. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And I, that's something I'm learning to do, like abnormally busy year for us, you know, Africa, oh, yeah. my elk hunt, and then looking forward to whitetail season. So it's the first time yep. ever that I've had like two exciting hunts very close to each other where I'm like, man, I'm excited about that, but I'm also excited about this. Which one do you put your like, I don't know, when I go home, if I got something coming up, like I'm reading and researching and watching videos about Africa, and then now I'm all elk hunting, I'm watching elk videos and yep. that stuff, you know? So, uh, and I'm learning how to juggle that. Not every year will be busy like this, but um, it's interesting to kind of see how you juggle that. Because you, you do a lot of Western hunts every year and then come home and chase whitetails pretty heavily. So I was yep. just wondering how you juggled that or categorized it in your brain, but that makes perfect sense. That's probably the best way to do it. Yeah, it's taken me a while to figure that system out. And I mean, honestly, I've, I've learned from, you know, guys like like good buddies like Brian Barney and Devin Leonard and guys that have multiple species, multiple states, multiple tags, like how are you keeping everything straight? Like, and it's, it's just a very, they're very focused on the task at hand. Okay, I'm hunting mule deer this week. The next week they might be hunting antelope. Next week they might be chasing you know uh, mule deer in a different state then they're hunting elk and it's it's very specific on i'm here in the moment this is what i'm after this is what i'm thinking about yeah. next week i'll next week you know and and it i used to get frazzled man like oh my god i got mule deer tag antelope tag whitetail tag this tag that tag, you know and it's like i just was constantly this mess um always thinking trying to run all this stuff through my brain constantly and it was costing me um, it was, it was costing me, honestly, it wasn't helping me at all. So I've really gotten good at trying to focus, narrow down. It's, it's tough to do. Like I feel, even though I'm prepared for this elk hunt, I feel, um, I don't want to say I feel unprepared because like my shooting, all that is, cause I've proved that in Africa, but it's, it almost feels like I haven't had time to like get home and reset for the next trip. So that's going to oh, be. Yeah. I kind of see, I'm going to see how that kind of messes with me a little bit once we get out there, but I'm sure once I hit the road, um, all that'll be out, but, uh, but no, dude, I, I think this episode was fun. I think it's a good, important update, um, outside of CC hunt files on Clint yep. Casper, answered some questions from Patreon. Um, best of luck to you out West. I know I'm going to be on the horn with you, um, as much as possible and we'll see what you get done. Um, we're, I know most people, from the wcb community are going to know where to find you but if they're coming directly from the deer cast community where can people find you yeah so check me out cc hunt files actually repping one of our shirts um cc hunt files via working class bow hunter platform full-time over at peterson's bow hunting as far as the magazine side um ton of freelance work for a, just an as- array of companies i'm not even going to list all of them because there's a bunch of them um instagram casper clint facebook clint casper but yeah definitely uh podcast world wcb platform in the writing world peterson's bow hunting that's my two home bases uh proud to call those both home bases for sure well we're proud to have you buddy so best of luck to you i'm gonna keep in touch with you we'll keep the whole wcb and deercast community up to date with your success and uh your adventures coming up so Thanks, Clint. This was fun. It was effective, too. We were efficient with this one, so much appreciated. All right, everyone. 
Clint, best of luck to you. Thanks everyone for writing in on Patreon, supporting us there, supporting us on DeerCast, supporting Working Class Bowhunter. You guys are the best. You know what to do. Go shoot a giant. We love you. 